and welcome. David and Brent joining you again this week. Today's June the 5th. It's Friday. We're recording Friday morning. You know, I think the biggest story here, we'll start right here, Brent, in ag this week, it's been the, the Canva situation with soybeans. We were talking about that a little bit. You know, that's not really in our wheelhouse of things we think about on the website, but it's uncertainty as we think about making decisions. And I think it's going to be a headache definitely in 2020 as producers try to get the crop sprayed. But also into 2021 as we think about the supply chain and getting product ordered. And what are your thoughts on that? It's an it's absolute mess right now. And, and again, just like he said, maximum uncertainty. Nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of pieces moving around and it's really hard to make decisions in that environment, right? That's what's happening right now. And I know for some people, it's getting to be like critical time where you'd want to start using that stuff. Maybe some parts of the country are already done with it, but others not. Wow, what a mess. Okay, I mean, it, it could have come at a weirder time too. Like a month later, nobody, well, people care obviously, but it's not urgent. Now it happens. It's a, a, just an awful time. So yeah, if you think about the amount of flexibility a, decision, a producer or a decision maker has to make to say, how do I adjust or pivot in light of this information? We can't make any adjustments, right? We're at, the crop is mostly planted and we're sort of, so we've locked ourselves in. Like you said, a month later, we'd have been through it. A month before, we could have still made some adjustments on the, the planting side. Yeah. Shifting gears, uh, we have an interesting article on the website, part two of the weather interviews with the two meteorologists, uh, those experts. I found this one really interesting. The question got asked to both of them about hurricane activity. And Dr. Stodgrass talked about hurricane activity in the Caribbean, which is where people usually think about. And Al Dutcher from Nebraska talked about it in the Baja Peninsula of California or Southern California and New Mexico and how that impacts the Southwest and the drought. So it was a really interesting take, you know, two different interviews, two different experts, but they're thinking about two different elements here. And of course, last week they talked about La Nina and they had different opinions as to about how that might play out here in, in 2020. Think about the, the water's cooling, but there's this situation in, in Alaska. You got to watch the Alaskan situation. So two experts really dive into that. I think, you know, Brent, I think the one about the hurricanes coming off Mexico and, and maybe working their way up to the West, that's probably most relevant to you and what, and what you're, you're facing, yeah. but other parts of the country have other hurricane right. activity they're thinking about. Yeah, no, I thought that stuff was really interesting. Of course, I like that kind of uh, information. I was happy to see that we had that interview series on there. I think it was, it was useful a little bit, not necessarily the news I wanted to hear for our, my area, but you have our confirmation bias, I guess. Uh, even when you get bad news, you got to make decisions. So uh, the other thing I thought was interesting too about it is, you know, just saying forecasting the weather beyond a week is really difficult and we all need to remember that. You know, Dr. Snodgrass has a chart, and he didn't. We didn't include it in this article, but I've seen him present it. He's a great presenter, and he talks about the forecast reliability as you move out. And you know, the forecast for one to three days those are really accurate, and that wasn't the case 20 years ago, right? That was we've made a lot of improvements there, and it starts to fade at the 10-day mark, and then it just blows up beyond 10 days. And so it's really interesting to see those 20-day forecasts or those month-long forecasts, and you really have to 
Brent, you always tell me you per- should probably just forecast the average, and that's going to be a really yeah. good starting point. If you start with the average and probably stick with the average, you're going to be in a really good, really good spot. So, right. Two articles that I uploaded this week for you to take a look at. We talked about them last week. The trade situation with China, those charts we've updated. Probably need to update your forecast on progress. Of course, three months of data in the book. You know, even this week, I still saw this thread of, oh, things are getting better with China. Things are really getting better with China. In a lot of cases, those are sort of forward-looking comments and, oh, China book delivery of soybeans for the fall. This is exciting. But you really have to be very specific when you're thinking about the data and how you think about this question. I'm not very optimistic when I look at the first three months of activity. I'm not saying that we can't see an uptick, but we are not, we are not in a good starting point for that. And right now, you know, we really need good news on the demand demand side somewhere because I guess it depends how you look at it. But on the supply side, things are looking pretty good, I think. Some emerging dryness in some places, but really, I mean, at this point, not not enough to really get too awful nervous about. You know, we're gonna we're gonna need some strong demand and it's it's just a tough year. It's just a weird year. Everything is weird this year. <laughs> and it seems just to be getting uh, weirder as we move through the year. Uh, also, an article about, followed up on Brent's article about exchange rates. The chart about the exchange rates that you should really look at is the number of dollars versus the number of reals. A thousand Chinese wands can buy. It's kind of amazing to see how much that exchange rates played out. And of course, the Brazilian exchange rates moved in the last month. It's the dollar, I guess, is weakened a little bit relative to it. So that's some good news, but we're still historic highs. We're still way above we were a year ago. And so I think it's important to keep in mind that, yeah, things have gotten a little better, but we're still way, way higher than what that we need to be. And, and we really got to think about China can just afford to buy more Brazilian reals with a thousand units of currency. And that's just a really important headwind for us agriculture. Uh, the other thing. And that that is, it's really, because actually I've seen some of the headlines lately and talk about, well, the, the real is uh, strengthening and all this, and that's true, but relative to 12 months ago, it's not that. You know, the, the dollar is much stronger and, and uh, disadvantages us relative to just a year ago. One last question I'm looking at, and then Brent, you could share any last thoughts that you have. At the end of the month, we have the planting report, and that's going to clean up a lot of our questions on the production. You know, we put the stake in the ground a long time ago, around 97 million acres of corn being planted. That's where that USDA March report is. Uh, the consensus on that question is about 30% chance of us having more than 97 million acres of corn planted. I'm going to do some digging into the data this week, thinking about how many times does actual go above that March initial estimate? How many times does it come in below? I think we all want to think that we planted less than 97 million acres of corn. And I think it's very likely that we did. I, my forecast is 38% chance. So I think it's more likely that we planted under than over but I'm not sure we're going to get down to this 95 or 94 million. That's something we like to think about, right? I think we're going to be really close to that 97 million acres. So we'll see how that, that plays out. There are going to be areas of the country that have prevent plant, but there's always prevent plant. And we got to, we got to disentangle that, that static and that noise of is prevent plant in the Dakotas, for example, really more than historically observations. Right. 
Right, because there's always prevent plant other places, and there may be less of that in some of those areas this year. And so, the question you want to ask is: is it a is it enough to get us above the historic average? And I think a couple of things: farmers probably were more willing to take it this year, just given the economics. But I'm kind of with you, David. I think the corn acre numbers are probably going to come in awfully strong. I I don't think they'll be above 97, but I don't think there'll be a, a lot below it either. So we'll have to, to see how that plays out. Definitely a different year here in June 2020 than we were a year ago. We were looking back at some, some stuff from a year ago. It was all prevent plant. It was all weather dominated. So it's more in a much different environment here in 2020. So it's always interesting to see the similarities, but also the differences as we compare years and we compare decision making and it's why it's really important to invest in good, solid decision-making skills because we never know what's going to come our way, and we got to have uh, that toolbox full of resources to help us sharpen that up. Brent, anything else on, on your mind, on your radar? What have you been forecasting? You know, not much. Still, uh, when you look at those um, commodity prices, this is kind of, you know, historically, this is kind of the weather premium season here. The market tends to put a weather premium in. But every, you know, it's that's it's a good time to remember that those are historical tendencies, and they're not they're tendencies, they're not laws, and so it doesn't have to happen every year, and it's going to be different every year. And if it weren't, it would be easy. As you as you're thinking about the commodity prices, really trying to sort out this demand side versus potential for big big supply, and uh, trying to get a handle on what that means for commodity prices. That's what I'm thinking about. So one last story I'll share before, you know, it's, it's June. We got to talk about when we, we almost got through without talking about COVID, right? So uh, this week, I tried to buy my son a little swimming pool for the backyard. You know, one of those little inflatable $100, $200 pools. Because we thought, like everyone else, like, oh, you know, not going to go to the pools in town. Not going to get to do that summer vacation, do his grandpa's with at the lake i started looking online you know couldn't find anything easily started driving around this week at stores cannot find a pool deeper than that ankle deep plastic pool that you that you first buy for your little kids and not even the thousand dollar pools right and so i was in rural kings kind of little farm supply store here in indiana and usually this time of the year you can't turn a corner without running into a pool right like they're trying to usually they're trying to convince you like a spur of the moment decision you know you should buy this pool and it's just interesting to see how behavior is shifting and how i I could buy there are some pirates on on the internet who are selling pools uh, and who knows how long they've been in a warehouse and who knows what exactly i'm going to be getting but it's nearly impossible to buy a swimming pool here in june 2020 and so it's just kind of wild first it was toilet paper and then it was now swimming pools and I think this is part of the the economic recovery. I don't think the economy is just going to sort of magically reopen. And Brent and I are going to capture some thoughts on this. And this is just one of the elements is that we just don't flip a switch and automatically go back to normal. And yeah. people are going to be pursuing different things and they're going to have different demand, different and scarcity is going to be a concern. So anyway, that's my observations well, from the street. It's the same. We, we were looking for a bicycle and it's the same situation. Uh, you can't find bicycles. They're very. The selection is really limited, and I guess everybody decided they want to buy a bicycle, or or, or there's they're not coming from China. So, you know, one of the two. 
you know, we're going to be dealing with these kind of supply shocks for a long time. It's, it's going to take a long time to get normal, I guess, is relative to whatever, but it's going to take a substantial amount of time for the economy to kind of start to resemble normal. This is something we haven't seen in decades, right? The idea that it was just mind-blowing. I wanted a pool, and usually I have to crawl over the pools in the store yeah. to get around them this time of the year, and I can't get one. Usually, they're, the bicycles are spilling out of the bicycle yeah. racks at the store, right? And you just can't – and I think we have to think about there are two elements. Element one is the supply chain not producing things, and element two, people now wanting things at a level that was much greater than what we had before. And oh, by the way, when you tell somebody they can't have a swimming pool – or a bicycle, they become hyper fixed on it. I, I was actually texting somebody like, now it's a quest, right? Like <laughs> now I'm like gonna find it. And so my willingness to pay is different. My I'm hyper focused on it, like the toilet paper. And I think it's gonna be the same way. And I don't know, you know, it's hard to predict where these things will crop up, but we haven't been making cars in the US. What happens if the US economy wakes up and says, hey, we wanna buy cars? No, by the way, we haven't been making cars for, I don't know. I, I don't know where the progress is on that, but we spent at least two months not making cars. So there's yeah. a supply chain and then there's the consumer side. And I, I saw where Sea-Doo was having a hard time keeping up with their campers and their ATVs and their actual jet ski markets. And so they had to shut the factories down and now the consumers want that, those toys or those socially distant entertainment options. So. Anyway, we're going to wrap some thoughts around that, but send us some emails of the things that you're trying to find that you can't find. I didn't know Brent couldn't find bicycles. Maybe we should, I'll go look for bicycles, Brent. You look for pools. Maybe we can meet in Omaha sometime and exchange them in a parking lot from six yeah. feet away. Yeah, there you go. All, All right. right. Well, thanks and have a good week. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.